Good Gab, sponsored by Skillskin, a nonprofit organization empowering individuals with disabilities through employment. It's an exciting conversation coming up here. We have Ryan Ulrich. This is executive director of Priority Spokane and president of CTSE. You're going to learn a lot today, so get ready. All right, Ryan. Well, yeah, um, thanks for joining us today. So good to be here. Yeah. How's your day starting out? Uh, I have coffee. That always makes things better. I got a run in this morning. Oh, That's yeah. always a, a plus for my midsection, so yeah, we're off to a good start. What's your favorite coffee in town? Oh, um, Lately, I've been going to the Rocket because uh-huh. they also have the uh, assortment of tasty pastries to go with said coffee. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've uh, my new hangout. Well, it's not quite new, but I've been hanging out at First Avenue uh, mm. for a while. But yeah. I, I'm a coffee connoisseur, so I'm I'm buying stuff all over. When I was down in L.A., I found uh, a a pretty cool roastery down there, so I brought some pounds home. Mm. And, yeah. Like I've got into making espresso like maybe 15 years ago now mm-hmm. and I just yeah, I have a commercial machine at my house and nice. yeah, like th- we throw good dinner parties because if you want that <laughs> espresso, I'm ready. Yeah. yeah. My spouse was mm. in the coffee business for a number of years and went through a coffee master training. Oh, so yes. he is always there to tell me what's good coffee and what's not uh, and why. So I appreciate <laughs> his expertise. Oh, I bet he could just, yeah, uh, deliver some of the best beans ever. Yeah, he's very good at what he does. Well, if you ever see me out and about, introduce me because I would love to pick his brain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, yeah, love to know who's Ryan. Tell us a little bit about yourself. (laughs) Um, I'm a uh, Gonzaga grad. Go Zags. All right, go Zags. I've I've made the rounds. Uh, I also was a Whitworth Pirate for a bit. Um, I, uh, also attended WSU for a little bit. Um, I have not yet made it to EWU, uh, go Eags, but maybe, Hey, they're, they're maybe hopeful. Ma- yeah. Yes. Maybe I'll make it over there. <laughs> um, I think locally, a lot of folks, uh, when I attend meetings say, why is the Hobbit house guy here? Uh, and that seems to be something that my spouse and I are known for. I'm a huge Tolkien nerd. And then my husband, finally, after our honeymoon in New Zealand, acquiesced to my building a hobbit house next to our home. It was time. It was. Yes. It was. So that's a lot of fun. Folks stop by every day to take pictures. Uh, so that's an enjoyable way to connect with our community. Uh, I also, uh, nonprofits have been a big part of my life. I have started a few, so I know, I know all the mistakes not to make. <laughs> Learned a lot of lessons along the way. And hopefully you're sharing that with <laughs> yeah, everyone. Yeah. Yes, thank yeah. you. Thank so you. now uh, a big part of what I do is, whenever I can, just share from the mistakes that I've made, hey, here's what not to do. Uh, that's a part of the work that I do as the executive director of Priority Spokane under the umbrella of just trying to improve the way we coordinate and collaborate, uh, especially in the nonprofit sector. Uh, and then I also serve as the uh, the president now of the Center for Trauma and Stress Education organization that Priority Spokane partnered with that uh, we built a great program during the pandemic that addressed some really important mental health needs. And now it's grown legs and is being used around the country. So that's neat. Yeah, so right here in Spokane. Yeah, right here in Spokane. Yeah, well, that's how I first uh, got acquainted is, yeah, you came in uh, uh 
laid out that program for all of our managers uh, across our company. It was awesome. Good. Yeah. Good. It helped it too. It was right in that moment too. We're like, yeah. we need something. Yeah. Well, uh, so how has that evolved? Uh, so, so we recognized at Priority Spokane during the pandemic that there was a lack of access to mental health resources and that everybody was, because of the pandemic, experiencing significantly more mental health issues than normal. So what do we do? So we wrestled with that question, recognizing that folks need connection. Uh, they, they need um, some, some evidence-based uh, trustworthy tools. And so we went looking for a partner and we found some wonderful Harvard doctors who were just getting the Center for Trauma and Stress Education started. And so we partnered with them. They shared with us these great evidence-based tools that we then built together a program that we really test drove in Spokane with dozens of organizations, including SkillsKin. Uh, and then um, it's just continued to evolve from from there. It's been used by the U.S. military, uh, Air right. Force, Navy. Uh, it's been used by organizations uh, now across the country. I was just in uh, been in to New York a couple times to present STEP and day long trainings. We just presented it to over a thousand uh, New York school social workers in Brooklyn. Uh, so that was exciting. That's so, huge. Yeah, it's been neat to yeah. see how something we built here is now making such a big difference nationally. Yeah, this program, do you train people how to do it or just um, do we fly out of Spokane and just do the training? Yeah, that's one of the unique strengths yeah. of the program is that we can absolutely train folks to facilitate STEP for their organizations. Uh, we do still do a lot of facilitation ourselves. Um, myself, when I'm able, it's not my, uh, my, my main gig, but uh, I, I wear two hats. But whenever I can go and facilitate a step session, it's something I definitely enjoy. I've used the practices myself on a daily basis. It's made my life better. I think these are things that especially folks need right now. Well, and where can our listeners, um, you know, access some of this information? Sure. So either PriorySpokane.org or uh, Center for or CTSE Programs.org. CTSE All right. Well, you heard it here. Yep. Check it out. If someone yep. who went through the program. Um, yeah, a whole lot of insights for you. So, what's happening in Priority Spokane? Uh, it's kind of like our Christmas right now. All right. Because we, every few years, every three to five years, we do a countywide community assessment. So we look at what data we have. We bring folks together at meetings across six different areas, education, the environment, the economy, public safety, health, housing. Uh, we share what data we have, and we ask folks what data is still missing. What do you need to feel comfortable identifying priorities in this topic area? And then folks share, well, we could really use more data around this. What information do we have? Now, our assessment is limited in that sure. we choose priorities off of what data we have available. We recognize that there's some issues that Spokane County is facing that we don't have good data around. So for us in our process, we, we wouldn't adopt that as a priority. But we then go looking for that data that's requested. At a second set of meetings, we share that data if we found it, try to make sure folks can have educated conversations about what are the biggest issues that you see affecting Spokane County and our, our life here. And now we're going to wrap this event up this Wednesday, May 31st, by bringing everybody together. Uh, we've had all these different folks vote on a top 12 priorities. So we will have them pitched quite competitively at this uh -huh. event this week. Folks will uh, pitch why they feel their priority is most important. And then the group of participants there will ultimately vote on the top three. 
and that will go into report that becomes a, a great planning tool uh, for our region. And then also Priority Spokane uses that info to select what will be our next project and priority. It is Christmas. It is. Yeah. Well, it's just, <laughs> I love it because I uh, have the opportunity to meet with so many different groups. Part of the process is expecting folks to come to us. We try have tried to go out and meet with as many community groups and hold focus groups as we can and just ask folks, do these 12 priorities resonate with you? If not, what are we missing? How is your community doing? Uh, there have been some surprises. How many meetings? Uh, I mean, is that? Is Dozens. That, d- yeah. Cool. Yeah. So it, we, yeah. we try to be as thorough as possible, but also recognize that we, we can't reach everybody. Sure. Uh, but we try to do the best we can. Uh, and I think some of the surprises, uh, one of the priorities in the environmental topic that came to the surface was expanding the tree canopy. And I thought, okay, okay, that seems pretty simple. What would that really do? And so it's been fascinating. One, that has been the top priority amongst every community group that we've met with. They all have agreed, yes, that's what we need to do. So who would have known? Yeah. So as much as we may disagree, everybody agrees that we need more trees. And as if we, as I and and Priority Spokane started to research this issue, we recognize that, yeah, that's some low hanging fruit here. If we plant more trees, if we expand the tree canopy, um, we that creates cooler temperatures. Right. You don't have the, on the, the ground the heat yep. uh, centers, yep. right? Yep. Yeah. And we've seen a dramatic increase in the number of dangerous heat days just in the last decade. We have some really a little alarming data there. So that's something we can do, plant more trees. It also improves uh, groundwater quality, also helps with water retention in the ground during... Um, during like storm events? Well, no, during... Uh, uh, what, what word am I looking for? When it's too dry... Drought, yeah, drought, yes, yes. So helps with drought, helps with smoky weather, uh, air quality. So here you have win, win, win just by expanding the tree canopy. Improves um, property values. Also, we have great data that trees improve your mental health. I know it does me. Yeah. I have some favorite trees on my walk. That oh, I looked at. What, do you know what kind they are? Uh, there's a silver maple, a silver okay. leaf maple that I really like, and a fir tree. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's like they're just majestic yeah yeah that's the other thing we have to wrestle with in spokane is recognizing how our climate is changing Mm. we have a lot of trees that aren't going to survive the next decade and so we need to start planning now talking to an arborist a lot of the trees that you would buy at lowe's or home depot that are so pretty that i have at my house um, aren't built for aren't well built for our climate uh, aren't always the best options so we can be smarter about the trees that we're planting that seems really smart yeah like we're going to build the canopy of the future yeah absolutely absolutely yeah what a surprise and something that's like hey this is doable yeah absolutely Uh, that's one of the things i love about my job is i think spokane sometimes we compare ourselves to seattle to boise other big big cities and say well we're not as cool as them well (laughs) we have done some really cool things when we work together both my organization's evidence of that we have some wonderful community-wide events, Hoop Fest, Bloomsday, that are evidence of that. We can do some awesome things when we work together. Oh, great. I know uh, Skillskin, we're working on a project right now in partnership with Catholic Charities to 
we're, we're looking at people who are living in low-income housing and specifically the disability population. And there's a lot of people, um, you know, living with disabilities in low-income housing. Sure. And many of them are not working right now, like not even a couple hours a week. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, how, how can we help? Well, skills can employees, people with disabilities. This is what we do. So we're, we're starting to work together and piloting a project right now to help people encourage them to you know come out of their apartments come into the workforce a little bit don't uh you know jeopardize your benefits just come come integrate with us and see what's happening yeah and yeah so we're, we're building that up and that's why i was down in la this week was uh talking about that and kind of um pitching this to the national networks because catholic charities is everywhere yeah. uh our uh what we're a part of SkillSkin. it's called source america it's a national network too and so yeah we're just pulling these things together and seeing what we can do like you said right here in spokane yeah, like, that is terrific we're good at like uh i think as a community um having big ideas and like actually making them happen yeah yeah, yeah. well i just made my day whenever <laughs> i hear of two separate nonprofit organizations mm-hmm. especially that have sorted out their their collective differences and figured out how to work together. That's a major accomplishment. Uh, nonprofits have a lot of things going on, a lot of external pressures they have to deal with. So to be able to move through all that and still figure out how do we work together is always terrific. So kudos to Catholic Charities and to Skillskin rooting for you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll keep you posted because yeah, that's a that's something that we're uh, we're really really proud of. Yeah. You had a TED talk, um, you know, around, you know, the idea of nonprofits and a lot of people doing similar things. Mm -hmm. And and I wonder if you could help, you know, expand upon that for us that haven't seen your TED talk, because I think they should. Sure. Listeners, go find Ryan, um, (laughs) because it was really powerful. I think you're spot on. I appreciate that. Uh, When it comes to nonprofits, I have started or helped start a couple dozen and the first nonprofits I started for all the wrong reasons. So now I I humbly try to support other nonprofits whenever I can, uh, recognizing the error of my ways and and trying to support organizations and not making the same mistakes I did. But I I now have uh, worked as a nonprofit consultant for over a decade, um, and I just recognize that so often when it comes to addressing problems, we have too many cooks in the kitchen mm-hmm. um, and we need to coordinate and collaborate better. And I recognize that collaboration and coordination is hard. It takes extra work. It takes, it takes sometimes some compromise and some sacrifice, but it is essential to really solving the problems that we face. So we need nonprofits to work together. So the analogy that I touch on in my TED Talk is really looking at the nonprofit culture as a potluck and that we need... We have all these essential dishes we need to assure everybody gets fed, but we need some coordination. We need to assure um, that we don't have too many main dishes or that uh, you have everybody just uh, picking up that uh, pre-made dessert at the grocery store and showing up with that because then you you don't have anything that are healthy that's important desserts wonderful but we can't have all desserts Mm. um i'm myself as i've worked with a couple nonprofits, 
uh, just getting started, uh, one in a, a small community in western Washington, really wanted to move into providing meals to individuals facing homelessness. That's great. Love that desire. But they hadn't assessed who's already doing that. Right. And they were looking at their schedule and thinking, well, our organization, it'd be easier for, easiest for us just to provide these dinners. Well, there were already two other organizations right providing in their community. Dinners, yeah. Yeah. Nobody was doing lunches or breakfasts. Big need there. But the need was for that, not for somebody else providing another dinner. These other two organizations, um, not at capacity, uh, had the resources to meet that need. So we need to be a little smarter about how we coordinate and collaborate. The other thing that I've, I've had to work sometimes with, with um, just organizations that's super passionate, but folks that didn't have the level of experience to meet that need. Right. Um, I, I, you can do the worst things with the best of intentions. So I've, I've had to come in. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had to come in um, as a consultant and help organizations that, that just ended up getting themselves in a real hole because they didn't have the expertise or experience to meet that need, didn't know what they were doing. Uh, and so the questions I always ask, people send folks to me all the time who want to start nonprofits, and I first thank them because I, I want to protect that desire to help. We need more people who yeah, want to Yeah, and help. recognize that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah celebrate Love that. that. So I try not to be too yeah. harsh, but then I always ask, who's already meeting the need? Have you talked to them? Uh, and then secondly, what are your expertise? What are your criteria to meet that need? Um, what's your resume look like? And then also always, uh, what's the finish line? That's the other thing nonprofits need to ask themselves is what does it look like to meet this need? We should always be working to, to put ourselves out of a job, yes. not to exist in perpetuity. Uh, so always be focused on that finish line and make sure that you've identified what it looks like at the beginning. Well, good gabbers. I know some of you are thinking about uh, nonprofits and starting your own. Listen to Ryan. Those three questions, ask yourself. That, that's powerful. I'm just thinking about our, our own organization. I'm like, yeah, can we answer that well? It's like, yeah, mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh. Tough questions to ask, but so important if we really want to meet needs, see changes. As I, I come from um, the private sector, and for most of my career has been in sales. Hmm. And when I, I got into the nonprofit space, I guess about six years ago now, um, it's been a lot of fun, and but I've also seen just a, a lot of organizations with a ton of overlap, and I I don't know how this happens um, in the future, but I do see a future where the, the if people are doing similar things and they start collaborating collaborating on those similar things, like maybe they can like make a more powerful organization too by just combining. Yeah. So that's a, I just, I see that in the future because in the commercial space, there's always, you know, mergers, acquisitions. It's not what we do in the nonprofit space. We but should. We can combine yeah. and be more powerful and not have as much, you know, overhead to, to and deliver more mission, more effective mission. And, and little organizations can get really impactful real quick with yeah. uh, just that, that amount of minds working on the same thing. Well, and there's, there's a simple logic there. I appreciate you touching on that. You have two smaller organizations that are both raising funds to buy their own copy machine, pay for their own HR expenses, insurance, et cetera. Uh, when if they merged, they'd only have to buy one 
you're saving costs, you have extra manpower. Uh, so often it makes so much sense. And that's something, especially right now, as we look at the, the road ahead of us in the nonprofit sector, I, I just, I, I think we'll see a constricting, uh, we see less resources that will be available on the road ahead, and so nonprofits are going to have to make some tough decisions. But I hope more organizations will seriously look at merging as a really important option. Because if you just close down, and I've seen this too often, where a nonprofit, up, oh, uh, we're not uh, raising the funds we need, we'll just shut down, then all that knowledge is lost, those expertise are lost. If you had just considered merging, passing your assets, everything, maybe you could have survived the storm, and then that, that knowledge isn't lost, the need is yeah. still helped, yeah. I saw you at a table at um, a Catholic Charities uh, Gala on last Friday. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I came over uh, with that group with Spokane Housing Ventures, and we did a, you know a business combination of um, the Spokane Housing Ventures and Catholic Housing, created Catholic Housing Ventures, ah. and it was one of those is what you're describing. We're, we were all competing for resources. I mean, limited funds to Mm -hmm. build low-income housing and, you know, big overheads and being able to pull that together. And, you know, Jonathan Malhan and that group. Love uh, Jonathan. Me too. Yeah, just so effective. Smart guy. Indeed. And, um, you know, now we've, we've built something that Spokane has to be extremely proud of because it's, you know, 230 million plus uh, dollars in real estate across Washington state with a low income housing group. That's based right here in Spokane. Like the voice got more powerful in a time where just so many competing interests were happening. There wasn't a a real rhyme or reason of where, where these properties got built. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, I just saw it. I was a part of that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's terrific. we can do this in other areas too. Yeah. yeah. So, so question for you. Sure. You talked about leaving sales to come yeah. work in, in for nonprofits. Uh, two questions. One, what brought you to the nonprofit sector? And then two, what has been an aha moment or something that's been a surprise as you've worked here? Sure. Well, what brought me uh, was... Uh, the CEO of Skelskin, Brian Beeler, I met him at a cocktail party and uh, we would just were chatting. He was telling me about this world of helping people with disabilities, but he's kind of acting like a business. They didn't raise money, but worked for the federal government. Mm-hmm. What is this? So I uh, just kept that conversation going and I don't know, it was maybe like a year later. Uh, I came on board. I was like, yep, I want to be here. How can I help? And he's like, I have the spot for you. And so uh, that's how I got in. And some encouragement, too, from my my brother, who is in workforce development. He just he knows me well. He's like, Steve, you are not happy doing this sales gig. You're just you have toys. You're not smiling. And so that encouragement, too, was like, helped me really look at this other opportunity. So, yeah, got into SkillScan. And the, the biggest surprise was how I felt when I went home at night. Hmm. Because I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm in service to others. And I'm not in service to myself. Mm-hmm. And it started to, to build something inside of me. And, you know some long-term happiness started to come from that too. Wonderful. And 
yeah, just some, the folks that we serve, we serve people with disabilities, everything, you know, from physical disabilities, uh, mental health issues, uh, cognitive issues, like, yeah, just real diverse workforce. And yeah, something I noticed about my team teammates were the, a lot of people were just pretty, not just content, but happy in their life. And so I started like, what is happening? Cause that just came from a, like a, a long-term, like really just depression. <laughs> like this was, I just wasn't aligned uh, for myself. And, hmm. um, something I noticed was the people were the same person as they were at work, as they were at the grocery store, at their coffee shop down the street. So we're at home. And I realized I had not been that person. I was kind of like whoever I needed to be in the moment. I was in sales, right? You just mm -hmm. model your behavior about who's uh, across from you. And that authenticity was maybe the biggest surprise because <laughs> they, they taught me a different way. And I started to really lean into that for myself and just be me. Mm -hmm. And I have never been happier. We had big table here um, a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. and that was an interesting story because they were like, "Hey, who's helping in this space?" They yeah. asked that question, yeah, and you know, no one. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. I guess uh, you know they raised their hand. They're like, "I guess it's us." Yeah, and yeah, just I love that part. Yeah, look for a need. You know, yeah. fill the I mean, need. There's, there's a lot of need out there, but we need to do a better job of. First, acknowledging the folks already in that mm -hmm. arena. Uh, yes, evaluating, are they adequately meeting the need? You have some bad actors like you do with any, any industry, uh, but if they are well meeting the need, okay, maybe we don't need you to jump in. You need to focus on something else. So our listeners, uh, they ask a lot, like, how do I get involved? You know, when... Maybe let's talk about that because there are so many nonprofits out there and sure. you might not necessarily need to start your own. Like how do they get connected if they have something that they want to be a part of? How do they, where's the awareness? Sure. I think first you need to do just some personal assessment. How involved do you want to be? Um, there's some great volunteer opportunities, but you have to assess, am, am I willing to commit to something monthly or do I just want to do a one-time thing? Um, so really assessing that uh, one-time volunteer opportunities. There's there's definitely a lot out there. Uh, I think about our our second harvest. Some great opportunities to do some real good. You know, go in once, help uh, do whatever they need done. But there's also some opportunities if you're willing to commit. If you have the time on an ongoing basis, you can make a tremendous difference. I think about uh, volunteering with our local youth shelter. If you're willing to build relationships. Uh, with these young people, but you need to you need to have the capacity to commit. Yep. Or I look at being a mentor, communities and schools. Yes. Uh, definitely, we need more people there. Uh, but again, you need to make sure that you can show up and and commit to that, because the worst thing is is showing up for a couple months, building those important relationships that the organization relies on, that also the kids rely on. In yeah. That case, and then having to back out. Yeah, you can not, cause real harm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, okay, that makes sense, that personal assessment. Yeah. Start there. Absolutely. Now, you had asked huh. before about what are some bright spots yeah. uh, right now. And I think, especially right now, we see a lot of data coming out of the pandemic that, that can be discouraging. 
but there are some real bright spots, some examples in Spokane County of how, again, we've come together and made a difference. I'll start just to share with a couple. So Priority Spokane got started. Our first priority was focused on high school graduation rates. Uh, back in 2008, we got started. And then as we did the community assessment process back then, um, only about half of our students were graduating from high school. I remember when that came out. That blew my mind. That affects uh, the health of our community in so many ways, our economy, uh, so many uh, implications. So Priority Spokane worked with Gonzaga University, did research, came up with a plan, partnered with uh, Spokane School District, City of Spokane, all these organizations came together and were able to raise those high school graduation rates with the data to prove it from 54% to over 80% in five years time. So we can do some cool things. Uh, another great uh, story of success is looking at the Spokane River. Uh-huh. Uh, used to be far more polluted than it is now. And we just look over the last couple decades, all the, the steps that have been put into place with making sure that, that uh, runoff from streets now is filtered. Um, we have uh, reservoirs now to clean, better clean water, the water treatment center. Um, all these things that we put in to place uh, have dramatically improved the quality of the Spokane River in the last two decades. We have solid data to show, hey, we made a real big difference here. And I only expect that to continue improving as we look at the different um, street runoff tanks that have been put in. I that know. Now we'll continue to see that. Yeah. Well, it is bright spot. And like, you know, what priority Spokane doing? What are our priorities? Let's highlight them. Yeah. Let's put some focus and light here and then do something. Some things can happen, you know, quickly. Like maybe we can plant a lot of trees for long term, you yeah. know, canopy health. But sometimes maybe it's decades to get our river right. But sure. we highlight it. We put some effort there. Yep. Some we sus- coordinate. Yeah. We collaborate. It's incredible. Well, Christmas time, we're going to learn more. By the time (laughs) this airs, uh, we'll we'll know our our three priorities. So um, listeners, go check out Priority Spokane. Uh, Will they be up um, in three weeks? Will we see our... Oh, definitely. Okay. PriorySpokane.org, we'll have uh, them listed there. Yeah, so we can see our three priorities and, and, yeah, see how you want to engage. Yeah. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Steve, thank you. So great chatting with you. All right.